0: Welcome to Monastic Retreats Podcast. I'm Dr. Robert Puff. This is the first episode we're having on monastic retreats, and I'm glad we're here. I'm sure there's many reasons as to why we're all here, and I really would love to hear from you. If you go to monasticretreats.com, you'll find my contact information, and let me know why you're here. But you may be wondering, why am I here? Who am I to talk about monastic retreats, And what do we have to look forward to in future episodes? First off, I'm actually not a monk. I've never really been a monk, but I have been for a great part of my life, perhaps all my life been attracted to the world of spirituality. And thus I ended up here. It's been a long circuitous route, but I am here. And I'd like to explore the world of monasticism together. I grew up in Iowa and was raised in a fairly typical Midwestern religious home. My parents took me to church every weekend and they also sent me away to camps so that I could really deepen my spirituality. Well, I remember one summer when I was very excited about going off to camp, excited to be with other peers and explore spirituality. When I got there, I did grow and I had a wonderful experience. But when I came home, I noticed that my excitement about my faith began to slip away and it kept slipping further and further away and quite quickly that it rather frightened me. It scared me and I didn't know what to do. I really believed that God was real, but I couldn't understand what was happening to my heart. I did very well in school and my parents were very loving and kind people. We came from a middle-class home and everything externally seemed great. I was involved in sports, and I was excited to start ninth grade. I was 14 years old, but inside, I could tell something was wrong. My faith was waning, it was going away, and I didn't like that. And what happened was, I would watch TV shows. I remember watching TV shows, and they would have shows about mountain men who lived out in the wild, and I just felt called to head out to the mountains and live like a mountain man. I know it sounds silly, but I just felt that way, and also my face just confused me. I couldn't understand why it was going away. So, what I decided to do, and I didn't tell anyone, is I decided to go out and find God, and try to be a mountain man for a while. And what I'm going to share right now may be upsetting to some of the listeners. I have apologized to my parents and my family profusely for what I did, and I hope you will forgive me too, but I was 14 years old, And my heart was just screaming out to find out if God was really real. So, one day, with $70 that I had saved from working on the farm, and a wind jacket and my Bible, I left. And I came back nine months later. It was a long journey, but many things happened. And along the way, when I was gone, I ended up losing my faith. Looking back, I could see that God was really protecting me and keeping me safe. But it was hard. And about seven months after I was gone, I was living in Lake Tahoe in California. And I had a job washing dishes at a casino. And I was working on the day shift. And they asked for volunteers who would like to work on the night shift. And I volunteered. Well, the day before I was going to start my new job, I went out with some, quote, friends. And we did some drugs. And the drug I did was LSD. And I had a most horrific experience I've ever had in my life. It was so horrible, and I was by myself in my room, and previously I would purchased a rifle, and I had it in my room, and the experience was just so incredibly awful that I reached over to grab the gun. I was going to blow my head off, but just before I did, I saw a cross, and I knew that good had to win out over evil. If I just hung in there, it would pass, and then I had the most mystical, beautiful experience you could imagine. It didn't turn me towards God, but it did soften my heart because I had become very angry and bitter. Well, that next night, I go to my new job. And obviously, I was in a state, but I was doing okay. And I was going up the elevator, and there was this very gentle, kind person that was asking me about what I had done that previous night. And I told him I had gone to a party. So I asked him what he had done, and he said he had been at a Bible study. And I just kind of looked at him and thought, well, that's different, and just proceeded to go about my day. Well, what I learned was, on that shift, there was a group of men, about 30 of them, that were living together in a commune, in more of a monastic-type setting, and they were there working together as they were going through school and learning, and they all worked at the same place I did, and they started talking with me, and I listened, and their words were fairly meaningless to me, Because I thought at that time I was pretty sharp and I had some good counters to whatever they could present to me. But the one thing I couldn't counter was their lives. Their lives were just so beautiful and peaceful. Not all of them, of course, but there were a couple of them men that just were like, oh my goodness, you are a beautiful soul. And the other thing I saw was what I call as little miracles. I'd worked there for a while and I had money, I was getting paid, and I would clean off the trays throughout the day. And I never saw money on any of the trays. Well, because they were, you know, living in a communal type setting, they didn't have any money. And over and over again, they would find money on the trays. And I'd worked there for a while and I'd never seen any money on the trays. It's just these little miracles that kept happening around them. And they weren't bragging about them. I just saw them over and over again happening. Well, after two weeks of working with them and arguing with them over and over again, One night, I got to work with the kindest, gentlest man that I knew in the group, and I guess the fire, the argument in me had died out, because I was just tired of life, and instead of arguing with him, I just listened to him. Well, that night, I went home, and I got home around midnight, and when I was lying there, I just couldn't, couldn't accept the faith, because I knew, because I'd been raised as a Christian, I knew you had to be honest. And I wasn't ready to tell the world who I really was. I wasn't ready to go home. I just wasn't. There's too much hurt inside of me still that needed healing. So after four hours of kind of being in a lot of agony, all of a sudden I heard this voice. It was like outside of me. And the voice said, Do you remember the story of Moses? Do you remember the story of Jesus? How at first they were one person, and later they became another? I don't care who you are or what you are. I love you at that point, my heart changed and I was so excited. (laughs) I actually didn't sleep for two days straight, but I actually continued to live on my own with the people I was living with. And after two weeks of doing that, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. So I ended up joining the um, commune, the men, and I lived with them for a while. And then after two months, I had a lot of mystical, beautiful experiences. And I thought I'd grown a lot. And I had, but I thought it would be years before I'd be telling anyone who I was. But I knew in order to grow, we needed challenges. So I asked God one day to give me a really good challenge so I could really grow, because I love to grow. And he said, well, it's time to tell everyone who you really are. And so after about a day of keeping that secret, I went and told the deacon of the house, and then he had me talk to the head of the house. And they just encouraged me, if I was willing to, to call my parents. And I actually did. And I know this may sound funny, but I wasn't even sure if they would want me anymore because I had hurt them so badly. But I was going to do whatever they wanted. And they were all, my sister, I have one sister, they were all three crying the entire time when I was telling them what had happened to me and where I'd been. And at the end of it, I said, well, do whatever you want. And they said, well, we'd like you to come home. I said, okay. And they said, we'd like you to come home tomorrow. (laughs) So I went home the next day. And, um, and then that, it was a summertime I'd been gone, I'd gone the entire school year and I had the summer to kind of get back and adjust the things. And then, um, I, I moved forward with my life you know, my life's going on. We'll talk more about it as time goes on. But my point of sharing this story is if it wasn't for the monastic tradition, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I owe my life to people that have committed to live and give their life to God. And it means a lot to me, and I think that's what's always drawn me back towards the monastic tradition. And though I've never become a monk, you know, and I've I have children now and I've moved on in my life, I do now spend a great deal of time visiting monasteries around the world and locally. And what I like to do is share my experiences, share what I found with you. There are such beautiful souls in the monastic tradition we're going to explore all traditions i mean my background is christian so we'll probably be steeping a lot of our time in the christian catholic tradition and the orthodox tradition but we will be looking at the buddhist at the hindu at the muslim at the jewish traditions too and just really exploring people that have committed their lives to god to spirituality And see how we can touch that. How we, lay people, can be part of that. Because we can. I don't know if you know it, and that's why I've created this podcast. But many monasteries, most, invite people like us to visit them. To stay at them. To spend time with them. And it's the most magnificent experience. And that's why we're going to explore it together. We're going to look through history. History. We're going to look at wonderful souls that have lived and how beautiful they've been. We're going to look at books. We're going to review books together, movies together, music together. And I'm going to take you to different places around the world that I've been to. And we're going to together explore them and see how vast this world of monasticism is. And how we, you and I, can participate in this most beautiful world. It may be for a weekend... It may be for a week, or we may choose to join some movement, but we are welcome. So let's explore the world of monastic retreats together. What I didn't know, and you may not know, is that they really have open arms to visitors. They like visitors, not all of them, because some of them really are more hermeneutic, which means they kind of live in solitude and more community, which is called Cenobitic. But they really do invite people to come stay there and participate in their lives. And that's what I'm going to encourage us to do, to go visit them. You probably will find, once you start looking into this with me, that there's something nearby you that you can partake in, that you can participate in, and be part of a community that you can be part of. Or perhaps like me, you will just go explore various monasteries all over the world. After my experience when I was 15, what happened to me was when I was in graduate school, working on my first master's, by the way, just to know a little bit about me, I have two masters, one an MDiv that, you know, many priests and ministers get. And I also have an MA and PhD in clinical psychology. And now I'm a clinical psychologist in private practice and written a lot of books and done many things over the years. And now I'm doing this. <laughs> but what happened is, when I was working on my first master's, I got the opportunity to go to the Middle East. And when I was there, I was in Egypt. And one week, we got to stay at a Coptic monastery in the middle of the desert. And I'm talking in the middle of nowhere. Um, Coptic monasticism is a very old Christian tradition that stands alone. It has its own pope and its own traditions, but it's out of Egypt. And it's a beautiful tradition, but I remember being there and these were monks that gave their lives to God. And I got up one morning, it was around four o'clock in the morning and they were chanting and it was just the most mystical experience I'd ever had. I never had something quite like that because they were so devoted to God and it was in the middle of literally nowhere and it was gorgeous and it was so peaceful. So that was my first experience. And then a couple of years later. I was traveling with a friend to the far east and I was in Sri Lanka and I needed a place to stay that evening and this Buddhist Theravada monk came up to me he said would you like to stay with us so he took us to his um, monastery and they all slept in this common room on the floor and we just slept with them that night and they talked and we had pictures so we showed them pictures in the morning we took we went over to the river and we took a bath in a river with them and they showed us their temple And again, they are the most beautiful souls. That's what's always impressed me about the monastic tradition. I mean, often these monasteries truly are in the most beautiful places, but more, far more importantly, is the people there. Now, mind you, there are people, there are monks and nuns that are clearly dysfunctional. And as a psychologist, I think I can say that, but there are souls and I have traveled the world trying to find beautiful souls Well, that's why I have found them the most in monasteries. I think when we give our lives to God, to our spiritual growth, we have the potential to just shine. And I think if you go with me and visit the monasteries too, I think you'll find every once in a while a beautiful diamond there that just shines. Keep your heart open. Again, there will be people there that are dysfunctional. I promise you. But I do think what monasteries do, and we're going to be exploring the benefits of living more of a monastic life, not that we have to live in monasteries, but we can make our homes far more spiritual, that when we do that, our lives can truly be beautiful like theirs, because we are affected by our environment. Again, my background isn't monastic. I am not a monk, and I'm not even a priest, so just be aware that I am a clinical psychologist, so I am not a scholar in everything I'll be presenting. And along the way, I'm going to make mistakes. I hope you're patient with me. But I do try to explore the beautiful world of monasticism. It is a very old tradition, very old. You will be amazed. And we're going to meet some beautiful people together, some beautiful places. And I will encourage you, when you get the chance, to go yourself. Visit them. Spend time with them. They're so good for your soul. They're like eating fruits and vegetables for the soul. So that's what this podcast is ultimately about. You can listen to it, and I'm glad you're here. But I want us more than just to listen to it. I want us to go. I want us to visit and spend time at these places and partake of the energy, the spiritual energy that's there. It will amaze you if you get quiet and spend time there. I'm excited to do this journey with you. I'm excited to do this podcast. So, thank you for joining me. And what we'll do is, I don't know how often I'm going to create these. I'll do my best. But, you know, subscribe and just keep abreast and come back to the website. The website, I'll be posting pictures sometimes and all kinds of things. So, visit the website. It's www.monasticretreats.com. That's monasticretreats with an S.com. And until next time, be at peace and be still.